everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Alphabet Psalms, where each week we explore two segments of Psalm 119. Today, we will be continuing with the letters Pei and Sade, and customarily, we begin with a video clip to kick us off. So enjoy this clip, and we'll be right back. Oh, a Nehru jacket. Barbie, not the Nehru. This is from what? 1967? The Groovy Formal Collection, yes! What a shame. Oh, no, 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 no! There's an instruction manual! <laughs> Have you ever been pressured to do something that you knew was wrong, but you ended up doing it anyways because you caved into the pressure? We hear of stories in the news where company executives make unethical decisions due to pressure from their shareholders. We hear of stories where employees create fraudulent accounts to meet their sales targets because they're pressured by their bosses. We hear of corporations using questionable accounting tactics to overinflate their assets or revenues while deflating their debts and costs just to keep their stock values up. We hear of car companies cheating on the carbon emissions regulations just to sell more cars. How about us? Have we caved into pressure because we fear that we may lose our jobs? Maybe we lose our livelihoods or a family or our loved ones. Have we caved into pressure to lie to protect ourselves? Maybe to protect our marriages, maybe to protect our reputation. Maybe we caved into pressure and justify it by saying to ourselves, well, they told me to do it as if we had no choice in the matter. Although we may not think of a recent time we were pressured right now, I'm sure most of us have experienced pressure before. And at times, some of us may have caved into it. As we embark on Pei and Sade, our psalmist is facing similar pressure. The English translation uses the word oppression to translate the Old Testament Hebrew word oshik. However, there's more to the word than just oppression. Oshik is defined as not only oppression, but also injury and most commonly used in the Old Testament, extortion. Extortion, forcing someone to do something they don't want to do using coercion, blackmail, bribery, and other types of force. Example, you could be threatening my car by, by putting a key next to the awesome paint job that I have on my car, and you could actually force me to do something that you want me to do. Just kidding. Let's move on. So the two questions here that we will unpack today is this then, how do we remain faithful in Jesus in light of the heavy pressure that we encounter? And second, if we cave into pressure, is it game over or is there redemption in, in, in this whole thing? Have we completely failed in other words? Let's begin with pay. Interestingly, the psalmist really wants us to focus on this segment in its entirety and not lose sight of an important theme. How do we know that? Well, each verse in this eight-verse segment begins with a word that starts with the letter pay. I've placed the Hebrew words here for you to see to just illustrate my point. Here we go. Verse 129. Your testimonies are wonderful. Pele. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me 
as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts, make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. I pant, I hunger, I yearn for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious. Keep steady in my steps. Redeem me. Make your face shine upon your servant and my eyes shed streams. Clearly, the psalmist is either under great pressure and oppression and or he has caved into pressure and is seeking God's redemption. Grace and favor again. When we cave into pressure, some of us are surprised that we did. We are like the psalmist here, telling God, and mostly to ourselves, that we know what is right. We knew that God is faithful because of all the stories and testimonies we read in Scripture and how God keeps His promises. We knew that God is wonderful and His works are wonderful. We knew the commandments and knew what God expects us to do. It's quite clear and simple, actually. It's laid out in the Bible. Yet we cave into pressure. Why? And that's what the psalmist is asking himself. Why? Well, one reason why we cave into pressure is because we complicate things by over-justifying and rationalizing our decision. How many of us have done this and said this to ourselves? Well, it's not that bad. Or, well, I don't want to miss out on that promotion just because. Or, well, I guess no one will know. Or, even better, well, everyone is doing it. Notice that the psalmist also agrees with us in this regard. He says that God's word, which gives light, is understandable to the simple, i.e. in the Old Testament Hebrew, to the fools. God's commands, i.e. following Jesus, is quite clear and simple to follow. A child can follow this. Yet he, the psalmist, like us, found himself complicate things by over-rationalizing and justifying due to the pressure that he faces. And like us, he convinced himself that he needed to commit the act that was not pleasing to God and faithful to Jesus. He acknowledges that he lost step, turned away from God, succumbed to pressure, and now repents and seeks God's redemption to bring him back in step, or in Hebrew, to guide his feet and follow God's footsteps. The psalmist hungers and pants for God's word to bring him life again and bring him back in step with God as he knows that God's path is wonderful. See, this is interesting. The psalmist is like us, Christians, who have been born and raised as Christians. We know the promises. We know the gospel. We know the stories, and we know that God is wonderful. We sing it all the time every Sunday. Yet, why do we cave to pressure? It is because we complicate things. When it was, it's really simple, we complicate and rationalize and justify until we convince ourselves that we can do it. Then when we hit brick wall with consequences, we come back and seek God's redemption, which thankfully, by God's grace, he offers and gives. Yet, okay, so like all the psalmists who wrote the psalms, this whole ordeal of following Jesus is a journey. A tough journey, and this psalmist does not sugarcoat anything as he's brutally honest with God and also with us, the reader. The psalmist knows that we are living in a fallen world that is putting up a fight against God's inbreaking of his kingdom. 
So he knows that this pressure, or in other terms, this tribulation of the in-between times will persist and he knows that there will be constant struggle as he and us face pressures because of the times we live in. And hence, he's realistic and humble. He acknowledges that he cannot survive and stand firm without God's favor on him. And so he's in tears, pleading to God for his grace and mercy every day. What can we learn from this portion of the psalm? We too need to face each day with humility. When we say, yeah, I got this. <laughs> Actually, no, we don't. Life will throw as many punches and sometimes sucker punches like extortion and bribery at us and we need to face them with great humility. See, pride clouds our judgment. Pride complicates things and influences us to rationalize and justify our actions that are not pleasing to God. Humility is to say that we don't have it all together. Humility is to say that we don't need it. Humility is to say God will provide everything. And humility is to say God provides me with the footsteps so that I can follow them. Humility is to say I'm in tears. This pressure is great. I can't do it on my own. I know what's waiting for me in heaven. Please redeem me so that I can get back on track. John says this in Revelations, in chapter 2, verse 10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, yet that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. For those of you who know Revelations, ten days is not the literal ten days. It's a metaphorical number describing the age we live in, the age of the in-between times. John tells us that we will be tested often, and some tests will threaten our freedom to live. John sees our journey, like his, a journey towards our reward, the crown of life. John, writing in tears, is cheering the churches and us, or cheering us on, keeping in step. Don't stray away with bribery and pressure. Let no tear go to waste. The crown of life awaits. Let's move on to Tzadeh. Tzadeh, verse 137. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried, and your servant loves it. I am small and yet despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. So why do people extort us or oppress us? Why does the world pressure us into doing what they want us to do? The psalmist tells us this. Because people see you and I as small and despised, or in modern terms, a minion, insignificant, or just a dime a dozen, or a piss in the sea. You get my point. And unfortunately, we end up believing what they say. And because the world knows that we believe that we're small, they think that we would do anything to get bigger i.e. we'll do anything to gain popularity, we'll do anything to be more influential, more worthier, more wealthier, and more significant. Hence, they believe they can use tactics like extortion, like bribery, 
and other ways to pressure us in doing something for the sake of getting the next promotion or pay raise. To increase our sense of worth, so to speak. We touched on this before in my sermon on waiting. Sometimes the immediate gratification of increasing our self-worth is so tempting that we succumb to the pressure by rationalizing and justifying that our decision, though not pleasing to God, is worth doing while writing off the crown of life. Therefore, taking a posture of, of humility, as mentioned in Pei, is important to defend ourselves from succumbing to pressure. And also, the psalmist says, we need to keep a journal of all the times that God was faithful to us, i.e. revealed his righteousness to us. Why do I say that? Well, what is righteousness? The easiest way to define it is this. Righteousness is faithfulness. Abraham was deemed righteous because of his faithfulness. God is righteous because he is faithful to his people. Righteousness and faithfulness go hand in hand in the Old Testament. Here, check out the passage in Isaiah to illustrate my point. It's found in chapter 11, verse 5. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. In Isaiah, the belt is both righteousness and faithfulness. Therefore, in Sadek, we can see that righteousness, also known as faithfulness, is quite important in the entire segment since it's repeated quite a few times. We know the psalmist was always facing pressure to stray from God's path. He, the whole world keeps pressuring him to stray from God's path. So, along with humility, what else does he do? Well, he says that he reminds himself of how God was faithful to him and to those who lived faithfully before him. In verse 40, Your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. Your righteousness is righteous forever and your law is true. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. The rules that the psalmist is alluding to is the Torah, which is the covenant of God, God's promise to Israel, i.e. follow the commands of and follow the commands of God, and God will remain with them and bless them. The psalmist has seen this in action, and also have heard and believed in the testimonies of those who have seen this covenant in action. Have you seen God's promise in action in your life? See, during my corporate years, I faced many temptations and pressure to do things that I know was not pleasing to God. Now, I'm not a perfect person. I made a few slip-ups of my own too, probably more than I would like to admit. Then, a mentor advised me to keep a journal, to document events and especially the victories over temptations that I know that couldn't have happened without God's favor shining on me. I took pictures and kept them in my journal so I can remember them. See, there's an app on my phone called Google Keep. And for many years now, I've kept putting those God-given events in my Google Keep so that when pressure does come, I can draw these events from my journal and be reminded of how wonderful, how good, how faithful, how righteous my God is. How he revealed his righteousness to me because he was faithful to me and that I, in return, should be faithful to him to be right with him. Every time I'm faced with temptations, going back to my journal just by a swipe or a click on my phone gives me the encouragement, the energy, and the strength to stand firm against the pressure. In fact, it makes me want to pray, prostrate in front of God in humility to ask for his strength, wisdom, and grace and mercy.
to go through that pressure. The psalmist here also kept a journal. Now, not sure if he had Google Keep or just a scroll, whatever it was, he was able to draw on those memories to remain a zeal to follow God's commands because God's commands are faithful. Follow and God will remain with him. I would like to close with a popular passage. Paul understood pressure as well. And we talked about the belt of faithfulness and righteousness, and I thought it was fitting to include Paul's approach to not go astray and succumb to pressure. And it's found in his letter to the Ephesians. So let's close with this final passage in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 20. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 20. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body of armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation of your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Amen. Paul is in chains right now as he wrote this letter to the Ephesians. Talk about pressure. All he had to do was to obey the Roman emperor to renounce his faith in God and follow Caesar. That's all Caesar wanted, and he would have been freed and not beheaded. But Paul did not succumb to the pressure because, A, as we can see, he had humility. He was humble in front of God, and he prayed. He knew where the strength came from, and it was in God's grace and mercy, and he prayed for God to clothe him with armor, the shield of faith, the belt of righteousness. He also prostrated himself in prayer and seeked guidance, and, and he was humble enough to ask others to pray for him, and this provided him with great encouragement. He also put his faith in the testimonies of others and also encouraged by others who, have, who are also suffering alongside with him in, in the work of the gospel. And so as we learn from what Paul here is saying, we too are faced with trials because we are faced in the in-between times. Jesus has won, but the darkness is putting up a fight. And, and that is the reason why we are faced with a lot of pressure. But in order to conquer this pressure, we need to come in humility, depend on God, put our pride aside, and also pray persistently. Thank you again for joining us with another episode of the Alphabet Psalms. I hope you enjoyed it. Till next time, have a blessed week.